you never know who you're gonna meet. You never know who's gonna be an asset to your client. Not even just for you or become, it's literally for your client, right? They may become a client, but this is really for my client. So getting up and going to networking events, um, like if I'm on Instagram and I may see a journalist, I may see somebody that's in the same industry as my client. I'll follow them, I'll introduce myself, I'll introduce our company and stuff like that, you know, but taking that initiative and not waiting for things to come to my door. And I think that's where businesses fail because so many times we sit here waiting for things to come to us. And it's like the more you're sitting waiting for something to come to you, it's going to go past you. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, a safe space for ambitious beauty industry creatives to have real talk, get real answers and practical tools to grow their businesses. My name is Aquia Robinson, and I'm a makeup artist, beauty educator, and the creator of Friends in Beauty. I created Friends in Beauty to support like-minded creatives, just like you, on their quest to connect, network, and build genuine relationships within the beauty community. Join me every week as me and my special guests reveal the keys to success and longevity in the beauty industry, and most importantly, have fun while doing it. You ready? Hey, what's up? It's your best friend in beauty, Aquia Robinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Friends in Beauty podcast. I am so happy to have you here with me, and I hope you're listening to this episode in high spirits and in good health. If you are a friend in beauty, I welcome you to join the Friends in Beauty Facebook community. If you're looking for a community of like-minded, ambitious friends in beauty to virtually connect with, network, and share resources, then click the link down below in the show description to join our community. And I'll be there to welcome you with open arms. Also, follow Friends in Beauty on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty. What I like to do is something called the Friends in Beauty Friday feature, where every Friday I spotlight a different friend in beauty and their accomplishments. So no matter how big or small you think it is, I want to shout you out. I want to send you some good vibes. So all you have to do is use the hashtag FIB Friday feature, tag Friends in Beauty on something that you have accomplished, and I'll share it with the community. Additionally, the Friends and Beauty podcast is available on several platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, YouTube, you name it. And whatever platform you are listening from right now, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into the Friends and Beauty podcast. I truly appreciate you so much. And I would love it even further if you took the time to leave a five-star rating, a review, a comment, a like, a share, a subscribe, a something to let me know how you feel about the Friends and Beauty podcast. I would absolutely love it. And also, I have to tell you that you should join the Friends of Beauty mailing list tribe if you haven't already because they are the first to know about all things Friends in Beauty and I send out different business resources, tips, and advice throughout the week. So if that's something that you're interested in, the link for that will be in the description as well. And last but not least, the most important thing is to share the Friends in Beauty podcast with your other Friends in Beauty, your family, your friends, anybody that you think could benefit from the information that is being shared Share, share, share a way to help me grow the Friends and Beauty community. Now, on this episode of the Friends and Beauty podcast, I welcome the founder and CEO of You Management Strategic Communications and Public Relations, Milan Mobley, to the Friends and Beauty guest chair. Milan is the publicist behind some of my favorite guests on the Friends and Beauty podcast. And with her expertise in public relations, I knew that she would be an asset to the Friends and Beauty audience. In this interview, Milan shares the nitty gritty of what it's like being a publicist, when brands should seek representation, questions to ask when vetting a potential publicist, how brands can use public relations outside of just seeking press, tips for pitching to brands on your own if having a publicist isn't in the budget, and so much more. Milan is an all-around boss, okay? Wait until you hear her story about how she even got into public relations in the first place. Hard work and persistence is something she is no stranger to, and it definitely shows. I'm so glad that we were finally able to meet, connect and bring this conversation to you. I had so much fun. So grab something to take some notes with Friends in Beauty and let's go ahead and jump into this chat with Milan Mobley. And if you prefer to watch our beautiful faces, then tune in on YouTube. Enjoy. Welcome to the Friends in Beauty podcast, Milan. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like for what the last two years I've been behind the scenes emailing you. So to be here talking to you is so different. That is so true because I was going through like our email thread. I'm like, when did we actually start like corresponding with each other? It was like September or October 2020. Yeah, 
years. It's, it's, been, it's been two years. Yeah. I can't believe time that. Is, I know. So the pandemic has made time just go so fast. Like when you think about when it first started, that was two years ago. So two years now, we've been in this virtual space. <laughs> the unknown, the sunken place. The, the sunken place. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. Before we jump into the interview, I want to start off with some icebreakers just to get like warmed up. And I also say like, just so we can get to know you a little bit outside of what you do professionally. Okay. Yes. So first one, give us three random facts about you. Oh, this is fine. I always put three random facts on my Instagram. Like when I introduce myself to the new followers. So let me think. Let's see. I'm a foodie. I love to cook. So I have a separate outside of professional, like you said, I have a cooking brand. I love to cook so much. Like I almost took, no, not almost. I do cook three times a day, most of the time. So my fiance has breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and probably doesn't have the same meal twice. Dang, lucky. <laughs> and if we do have the same meal twice, it's probably something different. Like I love making chicken Alfredo or shrimp Alfredo, but it'll be something so different, like a steakhouse Alfredo or an Alfredo with Chardonnay wine mixed in. So it's, if it's the same, it's different. That's one. Um, two, I binge watched the Game of Thrones in a week. Okay. A lot of people think that is weird and immaculate at the same time because you know Game of Thrones that was like eight seasons and they're long mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did that in a week so I take pride in that that's a fun fact and the third fact hmm, my favorite color is lavender people think that's weird I like that that's different you know and people say why not purple because purple is not my favorite color it's lavender like I have a specific color of purple that's so funny. So for the Game of Thrones thing, I totally get it. I actually didn't start watching Game of Thrones until I had to wait for the eighth season to start. So my sister and my god sister was so into it. And we went to like this pop-up bar that they had a Game of Thrones <laughs> pop-up bar in DC. We literally stood in line for three hours and I was just there at support. I was like, I don't get it. Like, why are we in this line what for is three the hype? hours? So I had to watch like, the show afterwards. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. What's the hype? And it's crazy because I binge watched it, and then the next week the eighth season was released. So I was like right on time. Good, good. So I didn't have any like gap space. You know, I was like right on point. Uh huh. And then with the the favorite color, my favorite color is mustard yellow. It's not yellow. It's mustard yellow. It's a different shade. You know, it's a different shade. And then with the melanin, that mustard just hits the. I understand. I love mustard yellow. I get it. I I get it, girl. (laughs) Okay. And do you like to cook or you like to just eat? foodie so like for me I like I mean I'm not a foodie in the sense that I always say this if I say that if I can if I keep talking about food like oh my mm-hmm. god that was so good that means it was like really good okay, like, okay. I'm one of those people like it has to be totally like disgusting <laughs> for me not to eat it so I'm not like mm-hmm. picky or anything okay okay um, but I cook for myself but <laughs> listen that's better than most okay let's just say that because uber eats doordash is some people's way of cooking so at oh least you cook for yourself <laughs> yeah definitely cook for myself of course okay. so as a podcaster i know you would like these i have these pod decks that my sister got for me um this one is a would you rather deck that has like random questions this one is a okay. what the heck which one do you want mm. pull a car for you i'm spicy so would you rather would you rather and they be weird sometimes okay I think it's spicy I like that and then the other decks that they have they have like interview decks too that kind of give you some like if you get stuck on like what you want to say in an interview or what topics you want to talk about on your podcast they have like different decks and stuff they have an app too oh send that to me because I need those I will order today (laughs) I love them I love them so much so always pick a random card let's see what this one is oh I'm nervous (laughs) okay this is this is this is different. It's not bad. So okay. it says, would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show or have lifetime backstage passes for any concert you attend? That's easy. TV show, because I don't really go to concerts. Now, concerts I will go to is Chris Brown and Drake. But, you know, you have to wait literally 10 years for one of those to pop up. So I want a TV show. Right. You probably got to fight with all the people backstage anyway to yeah. get to them. They didn't say exclusive access. They said just backstage. Backstage. Definitely the TV show. (laughs) I like that. Um, What's the last place that you traveled to? Oh, the last place I traveled to. Wait, so, okay. Does at home, going home count? Or do we want like a location that's not where I'm originally from? 
a location you're not from. Okay, so the last place I travel to that I'm not from is New York. Okay. That was for my birthday last year because I clearly I'm from DC. I'm from the DMV. So, and I'm from DC, y'all. Not like the DMV. I lived in Maryland, but I'm originally from DC. Like that is where I was born, raised, all that good stuff. But um, I was home literally Thanksgiving, Christmas, January, February. So that doesn't count. But New York is where the last place that I've been to. Okay. I totally did not know you were from DC. I don't know if I knew that. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know if I knew that because I always tell people the same thing. I am from DC. I live Thank in you. DC, born and raised. Okay. I'm, when I'm with my friends that are like from PG mm-hmm. County and we go places like internationally, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, I'm from DC. I'm like, first of all, you're from Maryland. Okay. <laughs> I'm from yes. DC. So um, you've been there your whole life? All my life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I left at a certain point. So, but when I was there, like I said, born and raised, I went to Holy Confidant with the friendship and then I moved to Maryland and I went to high school at Friendly. So right across the way, but uh-huh. I'm definitely a DMV girl for sure. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> um, what do people always tell you that you're good at aside from what you do professionally? Other than cooking too, because we know you can cook, girl. Being bossy. <laughs> but they always say I'm so good at just organizing and keeping my friends on track so they call me their bossiest friend because I'm outside of just me working in my own business I'm always in somebody else's business like no you need to do this no you need to girl what are you doing did you buy this so yeah I like being bossy that's a good thing to you know good bossy not a bad bossy but yeah being a good bossy being a helpful hand yeah yeah yeah. um when's the last time that you did something for the first time oh uh Last month, I went to Deep Creek for my best friend's birthday. Nice. I've never mm-hmm. been to Deep Creek. I've never did snow tubing outside of like as a kid with the, you know, trash can, but not actual like snow tubing, snow tubing. Um, so yeah, that was my first time doing that. So that was different. That's dope. I did that for the first time last month too. <laughs> really? When did you go? I went, uh, so my birthday was February 4th. My best friend is the second. So that weekend we went for her birthday and I was, the, we did, um, snowboarding. <laughs> How was that? It was fun. It was that de- I would definitely do it again. It was, okay. it was a challenge, okay. but as long as you're dressed properly and everything, but it was, it was fun. It was fun. I just I don't even know how to articulate it, but it was, it was a challenge, but it was a, a good challenge. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, we went the 25th. Her birthday is 26th, so we left on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Okay. That's okay. What yeah. else you got for me? The last one. If you weren't a PR specialist, what else could you mm-hmm. see yourself doing? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I've really been into interior designing lately. Like that's been like my jam. Like I love decorating nails. So I would probably do that. Like I think that's a, a good thing. And I'm a creative. So I feel like you get that creative gene still. You get to see things go from one to another. And it's so funny because that's similar to PR, right? Being creative. You get to see things go from one way to another to make your client happy. So it would be interior design probably. Okay. I like that. I've been getting into um interior design or just looking at having an eye for it um just looking at how people decorate because I moved into like my own place by myself mm-hmm, so I'm mm-hmm. like I gotta decorate this thing now so I'm always looking out trying to see what clearly we're twins look because <laughs> we have done so much alike we have the same not favorite color but favorite color type yeah. we're twins I'm convinced I get it <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with us. Like this was like probably one of my favorite um, <laughs> icebreaker sessions. This is fun. Oh, yay. Yes. So like you mentioned, like we've been in communication for two years. This is our first time chatting like face to face, but you bought me Jaya Bolden. You got Erica and Derica on my show, Bobby mm-hmm. Riley, Keisha Terrell. And it's so funny. I just interviewed Melissa Hibbert um a few weeks ago and she mm-hmm. just became like the global marketing something for um Inzuri Beauty and I saw I thought that was like so cool that that it just happened like that but tell us about you like before you became a PR specialist what were you doing um okay so before that I was in school for a really long time because <laughs> after high school I went to college so mm-hmm. clearly I was there but I actually started in the PR industry my freshman year in college so in the sense I became a PR specialist literally my freshman year but I wouldn't say a specialist because I was still very new to the industry but prior to that in high school I was an athlete 
which is so different to now because clearly I'm nobody's athlete. I barely <laughs> go to the gym lately. But <laughs> to say the least, I was in high school. I was um, an athlete. Then I went to college and I was involved in several organizations. I became a member of Alpha Cap Office Authority Incorporated. I was part of Student Alumni Association. So I was very much involved as your president the whole time. So that was me. Outside of that, I was working at the United States Department of Agriculture. So I was working um, at agriculture since 2010. Mm-hmm. And then I left 2016, 17? Okay. Yeah, 16, 17. I left around that time. But I was working there. I was working at Victoria's Secret. So I've always had more than just one thing going on. So here I am, organizations on campus, working at the government, working at Victoria's Secret, going to class the whole ride you know the whole thing I didn't start management until 2015 but even still when I started management I was still at the government Mm -hmm. so outside of being a PR specialist I was folding panties and selling bras (laughs) and (laughs) dealing with people at the government so yeah that was me like I just I was literally just you know a teenager a young adult trying to work trying to go to school trying to make the best of whatever it was to come and really just finding out where I wanted to be in the end and like I said starting in public relations my freshman year kind of started that journey because when Mm -hmm. I went to college I thought first of all I thought oh I want to be a psychology major and then someone gave me the rundown like okay well after psychology what do you want to do? Do you want to go get your PhD? Do you want to be a psychiatrist? You know, they started breaking down the realms of it. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I just want to like, I just thought, I don't like this. I don't think I want to do that. So yeah. that got canceled out. Then um, I was introduced to the FM radio my freshman year. So I started playing around with that. And I was like, okay, I might have life on the radio, you know. Then I started meeting people that's actually on the radio station, yeah. like on a larger scale. And they're like, girl, no, like it's a fight to do this. Like you got to, and I'm like, <laughs> Maybe not that either right. you know so then when I became a freshman class coordinator um I started being able to create strategies and build opportunities and just do different things and I felt really secure and passionate in that not like I felt when it came to psychology or not like I felt when I'm just on the radio or practicing doing whatever so yeah that's that's when I started that but Outside of that, I was just a regular teenage girl, just <laughs> trying everything out. Yeah. What school did you go to? First, I went to Bethune-Cookman University, mm-hmm. and then I went to Bowie when I transferred back home. So I graduated from Bowie. That's where my best of the best was created, but Cookman definitely molded me that freshman year. So. Got you, got you. How did you get your experience? Um, I guess freshman year, like what kind of jobs, I guess, or clients were you taking on? as a freshman to get your experience and everything? So literally it was a freshman class in SGA because if you know anything about SGA, then you know that is a full-time job within itself. Like SGA is so tiring and we have so many events that we're trying to put on and just different things that we're trying to do. So the first task that I had was homecoming. It was curating and just making connections for different events and partnerships that we needed on campus. So one of the things that I did was the Susan G. Coleman Thing. So we did like a breast cancer awareness type of event. So I contacted Susan G. Cole and we got a speaker out and everything. So that was like my first big task. So I would like to say like Think Pink, Think Pink Tank for Homecoming was my first client, like the first real thing that I did. And it went so well and I was so proud of it. It wasn't like grand scale, like, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but it was just for our class. And that within itself was, like I said, it was a task. It challenged me to actually understand how to reach out to people, how to construct the emails to make things sound good, that they want to partner. So it took a lot of effort. So I take pride in that. That was my first thing. Thank you. That's, that's awesome. Were you already a PR major? Um, is that like the major, is that like the official name of the major, like public relations? It depends because some schools just have it as communications, um, like with Bowie, it's communications and your concentration is public relations. So what does my degree say? (laughs) My degree actually just says bachelor's of science. So Bowie doesn't put your actual major on there, but my master's degree says master's of professional studies, strategic public relations. Got you. So were you already um, in public relations, um, like majoring in public relations when you were doing the SGA stuff? No, I was journalism in a sense um like journalism undecided like that's what my thing said but I wasn't convinced that's what I wanted to do got you so it's journalism okay so what about those experiences 
led you to say, okay, PR is what I want to do? So just throughout that whole time, just being involved, like literally maybe for six months in SGA made me say, oh yeah, like bump journalism, bump this. Like I want to know more because I just knew it was a lot more to it than just planning events or, you know, having strategy for that event. It was way deeper, like how to write better, even though writing was my jam in high school I love writing hence why I wanted to be a journalism major and it's a whole story behind that I was not supposed to be on the FM radio or practicing under FM radio I thought when they called journalism they meant like journalism like the writers Uh, not broadcast journalism those are two different things and here I am like oh that's me that was not me like I was not supposed to be right there but I was following the fact that I love to write because after I bumped psychology out my mind I'm like well (laughs) Your girl can write. I'm going to be a journalist. Right. No. So, no, none of that. So, <laughs> after that, I was just like, you know, yeah, I'm going to change it because I don't want to be broadcast journalism. I don't want to be a journalism major. I can still write in PR. It's just a different type of writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what was your decision? What was that process of experience and, I guess, years of dedication that made you want to open up your own manage- your own PR firm, you management? So fun fact, and I have to tell this story because everybody gets you management completely confused with the management company. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, people are not necessarily wrong, but they're not right either. I was, so, when I was in my sophomore year, I was in my sports management class and we were just going through like negotiation, you know, just like the basis of sports and stuff. Like I said, I was an athlete, so I still wanted that background in sports. So I was like, cool, I'm going to have one major as public relations and the other one is going to be sports management. Boom, we got it figured out. So here I'm in this sports management class. I'm like, okay, when I get 25, I don't know why 25 was ideal, but that's what I said. When I get 25, I'm going to open my own sports agency. It's going to be called you management because we focus on you, the client. Like that was my, that was it. Like I yeah. had to figure it out. I'm like, we have different sectors on this. We have that. I had it all mapped out, y'all. I just want y'all to know, I don't have a sports agency today. <laughs> this, this whole story is relevant, but so irrelevant to the cause of where we're at now. But I was like, okay, I'm going to create this sports agency. Time went on, of course. I was doing um, public relations for my sorority. I was doing public relations for the sports management club. I was doing it for the student alumni association. I was doing it for NCNW, which is my other organization. So I was doing public relations every single step of the way. Now in SGA this time around, I was junior class president. I was SGA president. So I necessarily wasn't doing PR in that stance, but I was still doing a form of communications which was communicating, networking, building this brand. Because at the end of the day, SGA is a brand. Our platform that we ran under is a brand. Mm -hmm. So it has to be built. So I'm still practicing this subconsciously, right? Not really paying attention that all of these efforts are one day going, I'm going to reflect back on them and think, oh, well, when I was SGA president, we did this and we did it like, you know, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. Once I graduated, from Bowie, uh, spring of 2015, I had already applied to almost 200 jobs. Mm-hmm. Wow. 200. <laughs> and it wasn't that I wasn't qualified because while I was at Bowie, outside of just going, being uh, working at Victoria's Secret, working at the government, I was working at ESPN 980, which is a branch off of ESPN. I was working for a music brand. You know, I was doing different things that was on my resume that made me more than qualified for a lot of these positions however a lot of them were like oh you need 15 years of experience or you y'all know the story y'all know yeah. how it goes the unrealistic expectations society places mm-hmm. they were saying that or you need a master's degree and I'm like well I'm going to George Washington in the fall for my master's degree and in my mind I'm thinking that should be enough like I'm already enrolled so you know that these are the steps start me at entry level and once mm-hmm. I get that master's let's make some stuff shake nope nothing was moving or I wasn't hearing anything back and I know we can confess to that like you apply you don't hear anything back Mm. so instead of being discouraged I just was still working at the government I said okay I'm gonna go through my master's program I literally had no intentions of starting my company at the time that I did I was only 21 I told y'all I was supposed to be 25 (laughs) told y'all that right I was only supposed to have my business at this point maybe four or five years at this point Uh so you know I'm like okay, I'm just working. One day I woke up in the middle of the night, literally y'all out my sleeve. Like I had a whole like epiphany. I just like jumped up. I grabbed my notebook that was on the side of my bed and I called my NCNW sister. I'm like, hey sis, 
I'm starting my company. She's like, girl, what are you talking about? We got to be up and at work in a few hours. Uh-huh. She worked in another sector of the government. I'm like, no, like, seriously, like, I'm starting my business. And she's like, what are you going to call it? And I'm like, you management. It's going to be a public relations agency. And we're going to offer web design. I had so many services, y'all. Like, services that didn't even need to be had. I had when yeah. I first started. Long story short, I built that company in five days. And in that five days, I only slept six hours. And I remember because I was sleeping just enough to function. Yeah. But I was so dedicated into starting it. So then I started the company. But it wasn't supposed to be a PR agency. It was a sports agency, but it the mission, the vision of it still stayed the same. So that's why it's called you management, because we are managing your brand. Yes, we are working in the best interest of it. We are PR managers, PR practitioners, but the sole focus is you, the client. I and I couldn't let that go. Yeah, I love that. It's, it is always like stuff like that, that you just, you never realize why. Sometimes people look at it as, oh, I wasted time in these classes or I wasted time. No. Like you really do look back at things and be like, I'm using the skills that I was using somewhere else for, mm-hmm. for this thing now. So that's the reason why I had to go, you know, through that process. Absolutely. That, that happens so much. Like how long did it take before? For you to say, okay, I want to do this full time and, and quit Victoria's Secret and the government and all the fifty jobs you had. <laughs> so I ended up leaving Victoria's Secret. Was it my a little bit into my senior year because I had so much going on, literally. Like I was SJ president now, literally is a full time job. Like you get a stipend for being SJ president. That's how much effort you have to put into it. And then I was, I was just trying to focus on graduating. I was like, you know, I want to make sure we. I end this year on the dean's list, 4.0 both semesters. Like, not dean's list, like, before, like, 3.5, like, 4.0 dean's list. Like, that's my my focus. So, I was, like, focus, focus on that. So, that had already been dropped off. When it came down to me leaving the government, I left year seven. So, that may have been, like I said, two years. So, that was 2017. But I was forced into leaving. I didn't actually have that plan um, set in stone. I was in grad school. So, when I got in grad school, they made me go part-time. Um, working because I couldn't dedicate time to both. I went part time. <sighs> Trump got hired. I'm gonna say hired because I don't believe in elected because that was a show. He got hired. <laughs> he got hired, and um, they put the hiring freeze on. So by the time I graduated, the government still had the hiring freeze, so they wouldn't convert me back over mm-hmm. to full time. So they gave me the option to stay part time for a while um, with no grade promotion, which anybody knows. You come with a master's degree, honey. Yeah, upgrade me. Great, upgrade me over whatever it's supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I need, and you know, I've had seniority at this point because I've been here seven years. So seven years plus a master's degree. Right. I need to see my numbers. So they were just like, "Yeah, you can either stay part time for a while, and then we'll see when it comes." But I'm like, "What does that even look like? What does the we see when it comes?" Or you can leave, um, apply to be a contractor. Mm-hmm. And go that way. And I've seen how contractors are done in the government just from like the recession, like earlier, you know, in uh-huh. the years prior to people getting laid off and just, you know, contracts are always the first to go. And I'm like, no, like that doesn't work for me. So they were like, okay, well, you have about three weeks to think about it. But at that moment in time, I had already thought about it. Like that moment, <laughs> I thought about it. <laughs> I went home and I looked at the numbers of you management and I was literally doubling my bi weekly pay at the government mm-hmm. just off of a few clients. Like, my monthly revenue was more than what I was making bi-weekly in total at the government. And I'm like, oh, that's what I need to see. I'm right. making more here than I am there. I'm leaving. So that was that final thing. So August 24th, 2017, yeah, is when I left. So it'll be five years this year since I left the government. Okay, kudos to you. That's what's up. So like, what's a typical day in the life for for you like a, as a PR specialist? <laughs> You saw my face, girl. What? What is a typical day? I don't even know. It's literally whatever the hell happens, to be honest. Um, okay. You know, I have my plans that like, okay, Mondays are admin days. It's the best way I can break it down to y'all. So Mondays, I try to focus strictly on things that need to happen in the company. So it's looking at our systems, making sure those things are right, making sure that we have um, our monthly reports or, you know, whatever reports are for our clients. So everything on that Monday is strictly just admin. Now, do other things come into play? Yes. Sometimes people will reach out to me and say, oh, hey, you know, not like clients, but business relationships. Like, hey, do you have a second to talk today? Or, hey, what does your Monday look like? I'll put them on that Monday. So anything will pop up, but it's strictly admin. 
Tuesdays are Finance Tuesdays. I always dedicate that to going through the tens of million receipts that I accumulate in a week or a month or whatever. I go through them, make sure they're uploading our system because it makes my accounting job a lot easier when it's time to do quarterly taxes or whatever the case is. All of those things are in there and they're being attached. Mm -hmm. I also look to make sure if I went out that weekend, and this is an important tip for y'all, to make sure if you did go out and you did tip, that that's actually accurate. Because what happens is sometimes they'll go in and they'll give themselves a little bit more than you tip. But if you're not actively looking at your account to make sure things are proper, you may overlook them. Right. Mm. So I look at stuff like that. Wednesdays are content days. Content days for me look like uploading a reel or editing a reel that I recorded earlier in that week or uploading or creating content for the brand or my clients. So that's that. Thursdays are client days where I talk to my clients. So before I, today, I was talking to two of my clients. I already did their, uh, my weekly calls. So those are Thursdays that I dedicated to. And Fridays are dedicated to doing whatever the hell I feel in my spirit. Because after, you know, like ideally Monday through Thursday, I work 14 hours a day right. almost. So Friday is the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say I don't do work on Fridays, but I don't deal with people. Yeah. I do what needs to be done. And then I'm out of here by one, two o'clock. Mm-hmm. Are you by yourself? Like, do you do everything on your own? No. So I have somebody that has a social media channels for us and our clients. I have my junior publicist. So she works. So I'm not by myself, thank God. But I do do majority of it because I'm still very much hands-on in the business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What so, does like PR do? Because I'm always confused. I mean, oh. I know what y'all do as far as like when they reach out to me, but like mm-hmm. what exactly do people need PR specialists for? So reaching out to you in media, that's just the, I always like to say now, that's just the small part of the job. Because I mean, more or less, media is very, very important. Like we value them to the fullest extent, but it's not that it's media that we don't value it's the readership. People really don't like to read anymore. You know, if it's not like looking at it on social media, on a rail or on a quick blog, like a shade room or something like that, it's, you know, it's kind of scarce to say the least, which is sad because our journalists work so hard to produce the great stories that they produce. And it sometimes doesn't get the readership that it should. Mm-hmm. Ideally, right? So outside of that, um, just keeping our clients' brands up to float and looking at other ways to create visibility is something that we focus on. So we say, hey, okay, Black History Month is coming up. What type of campaign can we run to get in front of your audience to increase sales or to increase your viewership or whatever, if it's a service to create, you know, increase whatever you're, they're trying to do. So what can we do campaign-wise? Mm-hmm. What can we do conversation-wise? If it's not a podcast interview, is it something where you can go on Instagram live and cross market with somebody else in your industry and you be the leader in this conversation? Is it where we are looking at your communication strategies and messaging across the board and saying, hey, this messaging is not reflecting here when you're doing X, Y, and Z on this reel. Like you're saying that this is what you do messaging wise, but you're real. You're making a cooking video. Mm hmm. How can we make this make sense? So in short, we're strategists. We're connecting the dot. We're figuring out ways to increase that visibility and enhance that viewership mm-hmm. of the brand, making the brand more notable, making it more credible. So that's what PR is in a nutshell. Um, a lot of publicists, you know, do a lot of different things. Like I know some publicists who are also graphic designers and are able to create the full package for their clients. Us, I'm not a graphic designer. I have a graphic designer on payroll that we can go ahead and pull in right. for you, but I'm not doing it, you mm-hmm. know? So PR is it's literally limitless. Like it's literally the machine, the, it's the car. You fuel the car, PR drives it. Got you. I love that. Okay, okay. Look, do you represent all kinds of brands, like different um, niches? Yes and no. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some more than less, like beauty is one of our top specialties. So we do have, as you know, a lot of beauty clients. So that's like our top thing. We represent small businesses, nonprofits, Fortune 500, entertainment, but not music. So we do sports, we do fashion, so on and so forth, but not necessarily music. We used to do music back in the day, but that's a service that we completely opt out in. Mm -hmm. So we do have different niches we work in, but like we have specialties. Got you, got you. When should brands seek 
PR representation? When is there a sweet spot of when it's like too soon? I guess it's never too late, but like, is it? I don't know. When is it like, when do brands? <laughs> it definitely can be times when it's too late. I mean, you've seen certain companies under hell and fire, right? Mm-hmm. And then now they're trying to scramble to get their message out, like, and they don't have that PR person. Or, I hate saying PR person, but it's actually not the proper term, y'all. It's public <laughs> relations agents or publicists, but people say PR person, but they don't have the publicist into play. So now they're trying to scramble and get it when all things have hit the fan. But ideally you want to get a publicist when you have some things generated for yourself. You have some buzz going, you have your marketing down pack, you have your branding down pack. Now you have something to deliver to this publicist. Mm-hmm. You know, our agency, we offer brand help and we offer marketing. So you can come to us, but we may not say, hey, you need public relations right now. We may say, hey, we need to look at your brand. We need to go in. We need to do a couple of things first before we start actually focusing on the PR side of things. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, so. I ask you that too. Like, what are, are there particular things that people should have in place prior to, well, not prior to, but like, that would just make your job a little bit easier to, you know, navigate yeah. connections for them? Just the deliverables, like actually, you know, having things in place. Like people will come and I'm like, okay, yeah, so let me see the packaging. Oh, we're still working on that. <laughs> okay. Um, what about the service? How many people have enrolled? Oh, I haven't really enrolled anybody yet. Okay. Okay, yeah, no problem. You know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing per se, because if you're coming and you're looking for that strategy to help that, then okay. But people come like that and they're looking for media. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, what are we talking about? You know, or (laughs) yeah, or it's too soon to get PR when you fully don't believe in your own brand. Mm. I think that's the most important one because a lot of people come and they know they have something good, but they don't fully believe in it. Got you. And then they want us to believe it in it and push it for them and push it for them. So they're not working as hard as we are, or they're not showing up as they should. Mm -hmm. So that matters, but definitely having some buzz generated help like actually some traction and people know about it and people are, you know, you, you kind of seeing that you got a thing like, okay, I got something here. I kind of have a double ended question. Okay. Uh, Cause you did mention that I just thought about this, but you did mention that like sometimes when people come to you, you kind of have to put those elements in place before you, you know, how long does that typically take? Like how long does it typically take for, like if I came on as a client today and I didn't have anything, is it like six months that I need to wait in order to see like a brand deal or something come my way or some kind of, I don't know. We always say PR is not popcorn. You can't put it in the microwave and it's not to pop up overnight. It does not pop up in seconds. Good, great PR, like real results, like the best results come after almost a year. You know, you can see them quicker, of course. Like I've dealt with but then it's always twofold because dealing with celebrities and influencers who have a buzz, you know, those results can come instantly. Mm-hmm. Like I get people that reach out about Bobby 24 seven, mm-hmm. you know, with no, with no hesitation behind it. Um, other brands that we work with who are on a smaller scale may have taken a little longer. You know, I've had a client, um, he was an author and he had a phenomenal brand and we worked with each other for a year. And in that year, he went on the international level of being interviewed, like podcasts in Canada, India, South Africa, you know, like things like that. But it was in that year that we took of building his social media presence and getting him to do like a series on social media that reflected with his book. Just different things that we took into play that when we did reach out, we had more than just, hey, he's selling books. Right, right, right. I like that you know, he's making impact. So definitely give it six months to a year for great, great results. Results can happen in three months. Results can happen within a week, but don't assume that that is always going to be, that's always going to happen because it's not. Right. Do publicists help with um, brand deals too? Yeah. Like I said, some public, you know, everybody's different. Some Mm -hmm. don't touch that realm because they're not experienced in it or they just don't care for it. But here you management, yes, we do help secure brand deals. Got you, got you. What are some questions that people or like brands should ask um, of their potential publicists before like deciding? Like, what are some questions that they should ask to determine like if this person is a good fit for for them? Um, definitely their experience. 
<laughs> like, do you have experience in my industry? If so, you know, who have you worked with or what are some, um, some of your most successful campaigns? Because a lot of times, you know, people really don't like that. Who have you worked with question, even though it's, it's a harmless question, but you know, tell me about your most successful campaigns. That's a good one. Um, secondly, what got you into PR? Like what, what got you into this space? That's important because you don't want somebody just that was like, Oh, one day I was tying my shoe and <laughs> there you go. It happened. You know, you want to kind of know a little bit about them and why they're in that space. Third, one, let me say this. One question you don't want to ask is, well, what can you do for my brand? Because every brand is so different. And just because you're on a discovery call right at that moment, this is just an introductory, right? We have our first call where we look at everything. Now, me, I'll say right off the bat, I'll say, okay, because I've had that question, what can you do for my brand? I said, well, from what I'm hearing you say, these are the things that you need and we specialize in this, you know? So instead of asking someone, well, what can you do for my brand? Ask them based off of my needs that I'm expressing, where do you see that your company can help me with? Got you. That question is so different versus what can you do for my brand? Too. <laughs> it feels different, right? Mm-hmm. It's so, so different. So that's a third question. Fourth question um, is asking them, like currently on their roster, do they have anyone doing what you're doing? Because if that's the case, then that can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Like for us, we like, okay, we have Melissa, Melissa Odom. She is number one vegan skin, uh, spa and skincare in Louisiana. We don't have any other skincare brand currently mm-hmm. on our roster, right? Because it eliminates, direct competition it eliminates us trying to because i mean ideally they would want the same magazines right or the same something so mm-hmm. it keeps that down so you want to mm-hmm. know like where they're currently at to make sure that you're not going to be put on a back burner and then lastly you want to find out about their systems and how well they are with communicating why because you're having a publicist communication is key right. so how often do we communicate? What does the communication system look like? How often do we get reports? Like, how can we measure the success of a campaign? Like, ask things like that because those things do matter because if they don't have the proper systems in place to cater to your brand, then, you know. I'm going to be laughing to myself because I'm having, like, PTSD. <laughs> Uh-oh, what happened? No, because I, oh. like, some years ago, it would have been, like, maybe like three years ago or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking these questions selfishly, you know, <laughs> because like I had somebody who uh, was supposed to be doing, you know, PR for me and mm-hmm. nothing, nothing happened. Okay, so okay. I was just like, okay. And as far as like the meetings and stuff, wasn't mm-hmm, meeting mm-hmm. me when she said she was going to meet me and all that stuff. So I was like, I'm firing you. Like it's over. <laughs> like she was like, what happened? Like what? I was like, do I really need to explain? Like I'm, I'm not an explainer either. Like, you know, what mm-hmm. it is. like I, we haven't talked since the day I signed this contract, girl. Yeah. Like <laughs> cut it out or whatever. Uh, anyway, another thing like a red flag to look out for. And I'm glad you said that is guarantees. Like if a publicist is guaranteeing you anything, Run. <laughs> because it's not guaranteed right like that's completely unethical we can't guarantee anything like if I send you a pitch and let's say you've done that episode already you'll say probably hey Milan unfortunately you're already on the episode like that that's an interview that we didn't secure we didn't secure that but if I guaranteed and said yeah girl I can guarantee I'm giving you a friends of beauty and then friends of beauty come back and say we didn't do this already and I'm like unfortunately they've done it but I guarantee that it could happen right guarantees can't be made we don't know editorial calendars of these outlets you know editorial calendars are so different we don't know the journalist's focus at that moment it may not be that like what we're trying to present at this moment it's not to say that it won't be here six months from now right but if your contract is up in six months and we didn't secure that but we guaranteed it it looks bad we can't guarantee that we're telling you to do this type of reel that off the first one it'll go viral Mm mm-hmm it's just no guarantees can be made. So if a publicist is making guarantees, that's kind of a red flag because you can't. That's like a lawyer making a guarantee they can get you off of a murder trial. Right. That they can't guarantee that. <laughs> yeah. It's not up to you. I can present the case. I can work in the best of my ability and my expertise, but I cannot guarantee we're going to win this case. Right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm confident. I have a high success rate. But you can't guarantee But yeah. I can't guarantee that. Yeah. Yeah, what's the um in your opinion, like what's the difference between like press and public relations? Mm, so press is more that media sense, right? It, I mean, press is media, it's definitely media. It's the 
how can I put this in non-textbook terms? Press is telling people about your brand, why they should love it, getting them informed, all those great things. Public relations is making the media aware of who you are so they can then tell your story. Public relations is making the connections that you want to have to brands, to your consumer, to other individuals that you may have not reached. Public relations gives you, honestly, bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Because you can, hey, how are you? I'm going to get, I'm going to forward this to my publicist. You're not going to say, hey, how are you? I'm going to forward this to my press. Yeah. So there's two different things. One is an action that is working for you. One is an action that works for you long term, right? Because hiring a publicist can be six months, but the press is up there forever. Got you. So the publicist helps you get press. The publicist helps you get press. Press does not help you get a publicist. Got you, got you. How can brands or yeah, how can brands go about getting press on their own if they don't have the resources at the time to hire a publicist? Absolutely. So I mean, I, I actually have a whole box and I'll send you the information so you can share with your audience, but it's called Be Your Own Publicist Box. And inside of that box, we give you the pitching template, we give you a media list template. Um, we give you a press template. So what that looks like is showing you how to go research press. So really quickly, let's say you want to be featured on Essence per se for whatever you have. If you're a beauty brand, you go into the beauty column, you look at the articles that have previously been written. If you see an article that kind of relates back to what you're doing, your focal point, or you see that this journalist has a writing style or likes to write about things that may be your brand, you find their name, got the name. Sometimes on some of these websites, the email address is right there. If you're lucky. Right. If if you're not lucky, you got to do a little bit more research. So then go look for them on Instagram. Nowadays, nine times out of 10, the email is in the bio. You can just Mm -hmm. click it, whatever. Milan, what if it's not there? Now you DM this person. Yeah. Hello, such and such. I would love to email you regarding X, Y, and Z. If this seems like something you're interested in, may I please have your email? Mm-hmm. If they say no, that means that they don't want to write about it. And that's okay. Move on, find somebody else. If they do, they'll send you their email. Right. Hard part done. You got the email now. Now you just have to write the pitch. So in our box, we have the pitch template. It literally is a PR for dummies template. You literally just insert here and we tell you what you need to insert. Right. Now, if you don't know your brand, then this is where the problem comes into play. What we talked about earlier. If you're not confident in it and you really don't know it, you probably won't find the right words to say. Mm-hmm. However, we tell you what to say. So that shouldn't be too hard. But you draft the pitch. And in that pitch, you really just want to compliment their work. You want to find how you really apply and can be a benefit to their audience. Because at the end of the day, remember, yes, they're telling your story to the world, but they're telling it to their audience, ideally. Right. So you need to show what type of information you're bringing to their audience and you need to show what type of value you're bringing to them. Again, show that you know their work, then relate it back to what you have going on. Right. Give them your talking points because you give them a narrative and the narrative is like that headline. You know, like you see headlines all the time and then inside of it is a bunch of wording and, you know, the talking points are the wording. What we're doing today, how you're interviewing me and these are talking these are your talking points. We're talking. Mm-hmm. I'm answering the talking points. But you already had that overall narrative, and that's what the episode will be called. Right. So you have that. Then you send the email. You send it off to press, right? You send it. You may not hear nothing back first day or two. You send another email, and you just have to follow up, but it's a process. And people hire publicists, one, for the connections, yes. But outside of that, we may not have every single connection, but it's our job to go make it. It's yeah. our job to make friends with media on your behalf. And it's also our job to pitch and follow up. People don't want to do that. That's why they hire publicists. But if you, like you said, if you're not there to the point where you want to hire it, those are your steps. It may seem like a lot of steps. It may seem tedious, which it is. But if you're serious about getting some room covered on your own, start there. And I would even recommend starting on a local level. Like, look, who's in that area? Is it media? Is it podcast? You know, what? find that local Start low yeah. and start pitching yourself. Don't just jump off and go to Forbes and Essence right away, but start local level. That's yeah. the easiest thing to achieve is that local level press. I met a young lady in Miami not too long ago. She said she was pitching herself to um, their NBC station in Miami for two years before she got picked up. Mm-hmm. 
too, but she was dedicated, you know? So be dedicated, but start on that local level. You'll see results. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, if you're interested in the box, I know you'll probably put it in the description. Yeah, notes or, yeah, whatever. Go pick it up. It helps. It's been effective. People have gotten in what on BET with it. They've gotten in the Exo Nicole, Hello Beautiful using our box, but it's effective. You just have to be dedicated to it. That's the difference. Right. You right. got to do it. Right. And I love that you mentioned connection because that's how Friends, Friends and Beauty started off as networking events. Mm. When the pandemic happened, then I pivoted a little bit. I wanted to do a podcast anyway, but I kind of pivoted so I could still be able to connect with people and meet people. I and love that. How do you, as a um, as a publicist, um, continue to build relationships in order to be able to, you know, provide and connect your clients to certain people? One, I just have to show up, right? And I can't be afraid to show up, or I can't be anti because I can be anti. Let's be clear. I can be very anti. I'm very much in my space. Love my house. Don't want to go outside. Are you outside of... I am. <laughs> I, you know. My mom's a Virgo. So I, I just pick up on the Virgo-ish. Yeah. Guilty-ish, so I'm definitely a Virgo. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But yeah, I'm very much in my own space and my skin. So I have to remember, like, okay, Lon, you got to get up, you got to go out, you have to go to these events, you got to talk to people because you never know who you're going to meet, you never know who's going to be an asset to your client, not even just for you or become, it's literally for your client, right? Mm -hmm. They may become a client, but this is really for my client. So getting up and going to networking events, um, like if I'm on Instagram and I may see a journalist, I may see somebody that's in the same industry as my client, I'll follow them, I'll introduce myself, I'll introduce our company and stuff like that, you know, but taking that initiative and not waiting for things to come to my door. And I think that's where businesses fail because so many times we sit here waiting for things to come to us. And it's like, the more you're sitting waiting for something to come to you, it's going to go past you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. What's your work-life balance like? (laughs) I told you, girl, listen, Fridays, and I will work on weekends sometimes, so don't think that I don't. But Fridays, I take it very lightly, and that's balanced. Sundays is self-care Sunday. Like, I do not negotiate self-care Sunday. I don't care what is going on. I don't care if my friends want to hang out. I don't care. Sunday is me. Like, I love a good wake up in the morning, start cleaning a house, turn on a sermon, you know, preparing dinner that day, getting in the bathtub. Like, that is my jam. Like, that is the perfect balance for me. And then even, like, at nighttime, like, because I clearly I'm a fiance, which means I am in a very much committed relationship. Um, but even if I'm working, if I'm working, just still, you know, sit there with her or just be in her space and her presence, you know, that's balance because sometimes we get so consumed at work, we may like stay. I, I will come out of my office, like, I won't stay in my office up until it's time to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, just come out. Like, people think, like, oh, I'm still working. But if the person understands what you have going on and where you're at in your business, your career, then being there, being very much present, I think is important in your relationship. Being present is still a balance. Yeah. It's when you're not present and you're just like, okay, well, I'm in bed. We're going to sleep. But that's not present, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my balance. Just showing up and being present in every aspect of my life, but most importantly for myself. Because if you're not present for yourself, you don't love yourself. You're not catering to yourself. You can't love your friends. You can't love your partner. You can't love what you do. You can't be there for your clients. So just making sure that I do take those moments for me because I am <laughs> the vessel that keeps right. everything else going. Mm-hmm. And if this vessel is dried out, ain't nothing popping. Ain't nothing popping. So you ain't got to worry about a work-life balance at that point. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that. What are you, I guess, what are you working on your legacy to be? Like at the end, like when they talk about Milan, like what do you want them to say about you and like your company and how you contributed to the world? Yeah, I think that's good. I just always want to be, I said vessel already, but a vessel, you know, like just contributing and being a catalyst of change for people and just impacting them in whatever way they need it. And I think that's important to me. Like, I always want to make sure, like, when I'm a friend to my friends, like, was I a friend when you need it? I think that's important. So when people say things about you when you leave, for me, it was, you know, when I needed her, she was there. Or when it came to my business, she was dedicated. She showed up for me, you know. Those things matter because you don't want to be a person that no one really cared for or they couldn't rely on or they didn't think, you know. Because my friends, though, we don't have to talk. I will see my friends text me all day, every day. 
because I'm busy and will not text back. But the moment I see an SOS, right? You know, it's like it's one of those things. But they understand, but they know, and I think that's important that I'm always reliable. Mm-hmm. I always show up, and being a selfless person is one thing that I I really take pride in. Like I I'm not a selfish person. I try to be as selfless as possible. I try to understand every single person where they're at in the best of my ability that's why I tell people like communicate with me where you're at so I can understand you and I put an expectation and that's not where you're at but if you communicate with me then I can meet you where you're at if you don't then I can't meet you there so I think that's the biggest thing for me when it comes down to like that legacy piece nice what's next for you anything exciting coming up girl no I have my my goal this year was to focus on everything that we currently have going on because it seems like every single year since I started my business I didn't added something on my plate mm-hmm. so the biggest thing is just nurturing everything that I currently have going on and making sure that every aspect of those is thriving to the best of its ability before I do anything else yes I love that that's how I am. I'm always piling stuff on. I'm like, first of all, you need to get some help before you pile anything else on your on your plate, okay? Because even my friends give me ideas and stuff, and I'm like, that's cool and all, but until I get some help, we're going to have to table this conversation because I can't do everything by myself. Absolutely. I agree. And that's, like I said, that's where I'm at right now with everything. I have the uh, becoming your becoming a publicist excuse me cohort coming back but it's looking completely different so again I'm not adding anything new I'm just nurturing that so I'm going in I'm changing the structure of the program how it looks it's been here we've had three successful cohorts but I know we can do a lot more I think we can provide a lot more so now that I know that we're changing that the be your own publicist box that's been around for the last three and a half years okay I, I've gotten way better with public relations, right? I'm a way better publicist than I was three years ago. So we're going in and we're updating that box. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fitting it to where we're at now. Like where we're at now, huh, we've had Forbes interviews. We've had, you know, different things that have happened. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, okay, we know a different type of pitching style. Let's go ahead and update that so other people can be successful. So I, like I said, it's just focusing on that and just being the best that we can be in view management, the podcast, bringing back the entrepreneur's brunch after two years of a pandemic and not doing anything in that brand and trying to literally pump life back into that. So my focus is so different than it is any other year. This year is about getting things how they need to be because I turned 30 next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At that point in time, I would have almost had you management, what, almost 10 years at that point. Because I started when I was 21, you know, two years later, we would be, you know, because I started at 21, but I was going to be 22. So, yeah, I would be two years when I turned 30 from having a company for 10. I don't want to wait 10 to officially say I'm stepping away from the business. I want to have 30 be 30 for me Mm -hmm. and actually understand what that looks like without the stress factors of a company and the weight of it being just strictly on you. Mm -hmm. 30 30's fun whatever it's cool here it's a little ghetto but it's, cool. it's ghetto at 30 don't tell me that because I'm asking to go backwards honey don't tell me that. <laughs> it's a little ratchet it's good ratchet and stuff <laughs> when did you turn 30 oh no I'm 35 I just turned 35 why did I know that like I felt like I, I literally know your whole life at this point okay so you've been 30 you've been in the 30s for five years now so. I've been here it's locked in and it's, I can't wait for 40 <laughs> okay okay so we looking at we we ready, we ready for 40 okay well I'm excited for 30 so I will definitely be leaning on you for advice in my 30s then because <laughs> I'm excited though this has been like such an amazing conversation I'm so happy we were able to connect finally and I learned so much about you you're amazing I just love it but before you go I have to ask you the rapid fire questions the friends and beauty rapid fire questions so whatever comes to your mind first just like spit it out okay I'm ready let's go all right. What are the top three keys to your success so far? Oh, top three things. Eating and not missing to eat. <laughs> um, dedicating that time for myself and understanding where I lack, what my weaknesses are, and not thinking that everything I have is a strength because that is a complete lie. You can't do everything like I'm nobody's graphic designer. Canva is my best friend. Shout out to Canva girl because that's her. But just understanding that 
I'm not great at everything and that's okay. And that's made me successful because if I'm, if I haven't ate, I'm mad and I don't want to work. If I haven't taken time for myself, I don't feel complete. I don't feel focused. Mm-hmm. And if I try to do everything, I'm burnt out. Right. There's no success in either of those. None. I know you can success when you're hungry, you're probably not the nicest person in the world. Right. No energy or anything. Nothing. It doesn't work. So those are my top three things. Cool. How do you measure your success? Mm, by how my clients feel. Okay. My clients feel. If my clients are happy, then that means I did not do a good job because I'm in a service-based business. I'm here to service them, to make them happy. So if they're not happy and they're not liking what they see, and let me rephrase that. If I have provided results and they don't like it, because people can just not be happy just in general and you have done all that you can, but right. if they're not really happy with the results that we provided, then that doesn't mean that we've done you know a great job 110%. And I ain't for 110%. I hate when people say, there's no such thing as 100%. Yes, it is, because when you were in school and took a test, you got 100. <laughs> so yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Oh, the best advice that I've ever received. It's my favorite scripture. Faith without works is dead. That's the best I, advice I have ever received in my life, honestly. And I say that all the time when they say, well, you want to leave people with that because you have to have faith, but you have to work in that faith. You have to be dedicated. And when I say working at faith, I mean, like when things are failing, don't try to turn to something else or don't, you know, try to overcompensate. That's that time when you had that meeting with God and you asked him for his guidance and you put all faith and trust in him. You have to work in your faith. You have to work in your business because you can't ask him for something, but you're not showing up in it. You can't ask him for more money, but you're abusing the little that he's giving you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to work in that faith. So that's the best piece of advice. The Bible, that's my, that's my thing, okay? That's my advice right there. You are living testimony to that, um, to that quote, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you get to someone, I guess, who is just, ready to give up maybe they've um gotten representation before I don't know maybe they have a publicist and it's been a couple of years I'm making it something but what would you get to a brand uh person a brand owner who's just ready to give up on I guess the visibility that they want to have for their brand and getting their brand out there to the masses and getting press and all of that they they're over it like they've had it's a bad taste in their mouth is what you're trying to say it's a bad thing the thing about it like this for any brand that has been through something where your brand current where your brand was and where it currently is is two different places right you wouldn't want somebody to not try your brand out again or you wouldn't want somebody to walk away from your brand because of where it was five years ago mm-hmm. so if you had a bad experience then don't bring that experience into another part of your life and to another part of your business because the person that you're probably going to find in that part was not that same person literally not the same person that you encountered years prior to or months prior to mm-hmm. think of it that way don't give up just because you had one mishap your business is about trial and error if you didn't go through that trial and error you wouldn't know how to identify the right person now right so just be grateful that you did go through that experience and you got that taste in your mouth because now you know exactly what takes to avoid. Just as well as you may have ran into a bad formula in your business, you know not to go back and use that formula again. Period. I love that. What else can you say? Um, <laughs> what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Friends of Beauty community? Books. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite one? Or mm-hmm. one of your favorites? One of my favorite books, um, and I'll share with you, I wish I had them with me, but it's a series of them, and it's Managing Day to Day. That's one of my favorite, but it's a series of them, so the series is my favorite, and I'll share that so you can hyperlink it, um, but they literally give you gems, like it talks about, one one of my favorite quotes in there, there's no such thing as multitasking. And when you think about it, you're like, that's true because multitasking, yes, I'm doing a lot of things at one time, but am I accomplishing anything? Right. No. No. So, and I ha- I'm a horrible, horrible person for that because I have about 50 tabs open on my computer. And when I see that, I 
literally remind myself of that because I'm sitting here clicking through tabs. So now when I see that, I minimize all this, I close them out and I only focus on the tabs that I need at that moment. Right. So that came from a book. And then my second book would be Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay. He's Diddy's mentor. And when I saw the interview with him and Diddy and I saw Diddy like still like, he's like, I read this book often. I went and picked it up instantly. The book is about this thick, y'all. Okay. But it's so good. It has so many different things in there because he talks so much about his life and he also gives you principles to life. Hmm. You know, and those things are important. We do need principles. We hmm. do need you know, we, we need to follow something. And what they say, if you want the best kept secrets, kept a secret, you put it in the book because right. you can't read them. So think about that. Exactly. I love that. So the last one, I just want you to fill in the blank and say, okay. my name is blank and the key to longevity and success is like whatever you think it is. Okay. My name is Milan Mobley and the key, the primary key to longevity and success is routine. Hmm. that's the first time we've had routine because people normally say consistency but I feel like routine is different than consistency it is because you can have a routine and not be consistent at it Ooh. so a routine as far as like today I'm doing this today like was that like a schedule routine so it could be you waking up meditating every day or whatever you do to start your day so for me now I've gotten so strict and focus on making sure I meditate and get my mind centered for the day mm-hmm. that's the thing right there it doesn't have to be like literally from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep but finding some form of routine in your day because then as you start practicing those more and more you'll get more consistent mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you gotta remember it's like a cause and effect method uh, you know things have changed things promote change mm-hmm. so I think about that like what is something that drives change and whatever Whatever the case is, and for me, it's routine. So that's what I believe. I believe routine is one of those things that's good for longevity and success because once you got those things programmed in your mind, it becomes a second nature for you. I love that. I love that. Before you go, share all of your social media information where you want people to find you, your website, anything you want to share. Yeah. So, friends and beauty, it was a pleasure. Hopefully, you guys will come over to the, your boss and friend podcast and listen to us too. You know, you got to listen to both of us. You can't listen to one and not the other. Okay. And then you're getting bossed up over there. So make sure you look for us on Apple Music at that. But if you want to stay connected just on a more personal level, follow me on Instagram at D Milan Mobley. That's T H E E M I L A N M O B L E Y. That's my Twitter. My Facebook is Milan Mobley. Really don't find me on there because I probably will never see that you message me because I hardly get on. But if you really want to kiki, you know, and be cool, then Instagram is where it's at. And if you want to see me talk my best, Sugar Honey Ice Teas and Twitter is definitely where you should find me. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for this. This was like truly a pleasure. True, I know so many gems sprinkled throughout here and I just can't wait to listen back to it and for the Friends of Beauty audience to hear it. But thank you so much for doing this. Like this is this is a treat for me. So Thank you. I, this is a treat for me. I feel so honored. Like I said, when you asked me, I'm like, you want me? Me? Uh, <laughs> But now I'm so excited I can do it. I'm looking forward to many, many more episodes from you because you just hit 100. So I'm just excited to see where this podcast grows to because I'm definitely seeing it in Apple Top 10 very much. Thank you from your from your mouth to the to Jesus God's yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Friends in Beauty podcast. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Share this episode with at least one friend in beauty and subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts so that other friends in beauty can find this show. Plus, we'd love to hear your feedback. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Friends in Beauty, hashtag Friends in Beauty to join the conversation and join our Friends in Beauty Facebook community to stay connected. Talk to you soon.